Hello, welcome to the Maxdown Podcast, and I am your host, Tofemi Talabi. And on this platform, we bring to you truth unfiltered, stories unheard, and truths untold. So you could leave your comments and suggestions, and if you would like to be a part of this in any way, you could send a message to me on Twitter and Instagram at Tofemi underscore II. Thank you for listening. Why did you have to wear your glasses now? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Okay, so Dimitri, you would like to introduce yourself to everybody listening. Obviously, I know what you do and I know who you are and I've communicated with you several times. But um, other people listening who want to know who you are and what you do and what you are currently working on. All right. Um, my name is Ola Dimitri Ajibile and um, I'm a designer. Okay. Well, an architect by profession or by uh, school degree qualification but now i'm a designer and majorly i focus on brand and identity design for startups and religious organizations um i'm very passionate about knowledge transfer so i tell stories about design lifestyle and branding on social media instagram facebook youtube or anywhere any social media you can find i'm a storyteller but i'm also a designer so that's what i do okay so what are you currently working on yeah, so um, I'm currently working on um, a couple of systems that can help designers better themselves, not just with their designs, but also being profitable from what they do. So I call it the business of design. It's in a way where creatives can always turn whatever passions, whatever thing they're doing right now into something profitable. So Because there's, there's always this myth that creative people tend to forget about finances when they do whatever it is they do. And I really want people to understand that you can always make you know, a living from these things you are passionate about. So how, how, how is making a living, in quote, working for you from what you're passionate about? Okay, so uh, I design by day and by night I create content. Okay. So I started to see that it's a different thing to want to get money from your passions than just doing stuff for people to see. Now. One reason why we all do what we do is to probably make a profit from it. Yeah, Whether exactly. it is, I don't know, finances or which, whichever one you want to make profit. So um, I saw it as a way to still do what I love, what I'm passionate about, and still be able to make a living from it. So right now, uh, my designs fetch me money. Okay. You know, that's my business. Mm-hmm. And still, the content I create help me gain awareness and build a personal brand while people see what I'm doing for free and want to pay for my exclusive services okay so that okay nice okay so moving on um you already know what the podcast is about yeah I do. and um i messaged you on instagram and then i was i was actually thinking of who could be my first guest and stuff so but when we talked the other day at you already know where to let them know where we went to and then i just i knew that there was just so much more so i look beyond um what the words that come out from people's mouths when i'm communicating with them i read body language i read eyes i read a lot of things and i I read a lot of things i i'm not going to tell you that oh wow that's awesome i read a lot of things and i was like okay let's just give it a try so um there are a lot of things that people go through and they don't want to talk about it yeah. because of society in quote and because of fear fear comes from society mm-hmm. and 
what would they think about me? What would they say about me? What would I be portrayed as? Um, These things have in so many ways caged us and destroyed us without us even knowing. And the reason for me bringing this to the table is because I have been there. Right. And I had to. I knew how much work I had to do to push my, to push myself out of that space, that right. mindset. Mm-hmm. So, I want you to talk from your own perspective, and then listening to other people's stories has a way of reflecting, has a way of um, making you aware, as a way of impacting or helping you when you listen to them, and especially when you can easily relate to it and you're like, oh. I'm also doing this thing. Oh my God, this guy is like, he's me. <laughs> so there are times like that. Yeah. And I want you to share personal experiences that you might have not been able to share with people or you've shared with a lot of people, like a few people, probably two, three. And then a lot of people um, don't know about it okay. because in quotes, how they will see me. Yeah. So I want you to share that on this platform and I need you to be explicit and on honest with me trust me i would prick you <laughs> i would every small bot and every post i need to know what that means for right. you yeah. so what um if i were to ask you now on what is that thing or what are those things that um you've had experiences with in the past and it really messed you up yeah. it messed up your mental space wow, this is deep. <laughs> It messed up your mental space. It messed up your emotional life. It messed up your physical life. It messed up your life spiritually because I know a lot about you being a Christian and stuff. So it messed all of these things up and then you had to consciously build up those things that were destroyed back little by little with so much strength, with so so much intention. And you are where you are now because you worked on those certain things. So I need you to tell us because i'm not the only one listening i need to tell us what those things are all right so as humans we have lots of experiences some we don't even think are worth sharing mm-hmm. but letting them out is like a solution for one another person listening from somewhere or watching so um, i've really learned to share more and still listen at the same time because mm-hmm. Um, one story you share today might be like a saving might be saving lives tomorrow so you never can tell so uh some experiences i've gone through in my life that i can't really you know put a definition to why they happened but they just happened for example um uh, growing up i i grew up as a pastor's child in court so in church you're always active in church doing all church stuff and little do you know that, you know, coming across certain things in your life would actually mess you up. For example, I was addicted to pornography for a number of years. And, you know, with the way the society sees it today, we feel it's a normal thing to, you know, see these things. But then, for me, it was beyond that. It was already developing. It actually became an addiction where I would always, as in, it's a craving that I can't even control anymore. And it just started from just a friend who just told me, oh, guy, do you want to see this thing? And I'm like, what is it? He said it's a movie. I'm like, okay, well, I would love to see a movie. And then he played it. I wasn't pushed to stand up because I felt it was normal. You know, Mm -hmm. as a guy, you Mm -hmm. need to, exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, I got involved in that. And then the very first day I saw it, 
it seemed like a normal thing. I'm like, guy, stop watching this kind of thing. I even told him. But then, little did I know that that was like the beginning of a long period of my life for me. So, um, I realized that every week I always go back to this same guy to check out this stuff. Every single week, whenever I go back, he would tell me, "Look, it's a normal thing. Don't don't feel weird about it." Until a particular day where he was not around when I got to his room that day, and I was really upset. I'm like, "Guy, you know I always come for this thing at this particular time, so mm-hmm. why won't you be around?" And I was really upset with him. And then I started to say to myself, that, wait, why am I upset about this thing when he said it's normal? So that was like a particular phase then. And then it grew into every single day. It got to a point that I don't sleep at night. Like I will have class in the morning, but I don't sleep at night. I'm trying to download, I'm trying to watch and all sort of things. And this continued for the space of over two years. So it got to a day where I started to think to myself and say, look, do I still think this thing is already a normal thing? Because now I crave it every single time. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point that even if I'm not probably seeing any or watching any, if I close my eyes, I start picturing things. Mm-hmm. Like it got to a point that I can't look at a female and you know see her as a female. Mm-hmm. I'm always seeing the, I was the big picture. Exactly. I was <laughs> messed up and I'm like... I, I, I couldn't control it anymore. It started to affect my academics, started to affect my relationship with friends. I, I started to distance myself from people just so that I don't see them in that way. Okay, so before we continue, I want you to explain exactly how it felt for you. So there, it, it could be that um, if you don't, in quotes, watch porn, how, how, how did you feel? Was it like a possession? Is it like you you cannot you cannot think properly you're right. being controlled or what so it was like if i don't see one it's like a part of me is missing right okay and the need to satisfy that urge becomes so uncontrollable that if i don't see it in the day it feels as if i'm not complete yet it feels like the day has not started, started. or ended whichever way it was before i go to bed at night i wake up in the morning and you know it was like it was me and this thing. Without it, I'm nobody. Wow. Yeah. So there was a particular day, I can remember this one very well. It's still fresh in my memory, even though it was a couple of years ago. I woke up in the morning and I was about to step out. I did my morning prayers. That's how terrible it was. I did okay. my morning prayers. I stepped out and I was like, oh my God, I didn't watch porn this morning. And then I went back. <laughs> You're laughing. Okay, sorry. And then I went back. You know, so going back, I saw it. And you know, I was like, okay, yeah, now the day can start. And then I went to school. I'm like, well, it seemed normal. Mm-hmm. And then that kept happening over and over again, over and over again. So there was a particular experience I had where a friend came to visit, a female friend, and she was about touching my laptop, and I screamed. <laughs> it was like it Don't was a no good area for any Don't other person. Go there. Like mm. I'm very, very personal with some of my things. But I became extra personal with my personal lap, like with my Your laptop PC. and my phones. That if anyone wants to go through my phones, I would always be with them, mm-hmm. like looking at their backs and everything, or whatever mm-hmm. it is you're pressing. You know, it got to a point where on my laptop, there's a place called, um, you know, local disk. Mm-hmm. So inside local disk, I would go into users. Inside users, I'll go to system 32 mm-hmm. and I'll hide it in there. Mm-hmm. Inside the folder, probably called Windows 10 or something. Such that anyone looking for it, whatever it is, will mm-hmm. not even get there. Mm-hmm. And 
the day everything you know kind of sparked out in me was the length i went to cover up this particular thing from others to see you know i always go the extra mile to make sure that nobody no one else knows that this is what i'm doing and that was how it decided to play out to me that okay see this thing is already becoming an addiction it's no longer a craving it's no longer what you think it's normal it's already becoming something that is ruining your life i remember there was there are mornings where even in church probably go to the toilet and still go and watch porn in church wow and i'm like wow at, at that point it wasn't really doing anything to me i still just felt look it's a face you'll pass it you tell god to forgive you mm-hmm. but then there was a particular someone i had one particular day where the person said that places where you commit sins against your body can actually hinder others who pray there for the, from their prayers being answered mm-hmm. and the first thing that came to my mind was all the times i watched porn in my house mm-hmm. how I must have been an hindrance to my to my prayers and um, prayers being answered. You know, I started to see it as every single time I've seen porn in church, the number of people I've caused not to actually have answered prayers to what they were telling God about, and that kind of sunk deep into me that made me vow, that whatever it takes, I'll stop these things. Now my recovery process didn't start immediately. Mm-hmm. I still continued for another six months after that particular experience in church. Mm-hmm. The same thing happening. And, you know, I just started saying, wait, what is actually wrong with me? I, I didn't know who to tell because nobody would want to believe that, look, a pastor's child mm-hmm, doing is this. doing this. Mm-hmm. And I was in a meeting one day where a friend spoke about this and everybody started looking at him more funny way. And I'm like, wait, so if I do the same <laughs> thing, <laughs> this is gone. what they would think mm-hmm, of me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell my parents, I couldn't tell my sisters and all these things. Even right now as I'm sharing this, some people still don't know. But I started to first accept which is talking about my work to being free now, I accepted that this thing was actually an addiction. Because one way I've seen things happen in people's lives is if they don't accept that this thing is terrible, mm-hmm. if it is wrong, or mm-hmm. this is what it is, mm-hmm. they don't, the freedom hasn't started it's, yet. Yes, so I first accepted started. that this thing is a problem, it's an addiction, and I need to get free. Then after that, I started to see that what are the possible ways to cut connection from this particular thing. So the first thing I did was I had to clear out everything in my PC. I deleted every single one of them and pop even movies with explicit scenes. I deleted them. And then still that didn't stop me. I would still probably go to websites and do all sort of things. But then one turning point for me during this recovery phase was the day I was so upset that after reading Bible, praying, I still, it was like, pornography was like the, the last thing to round it up and i'm like this is not normal anymore <laughs> so that day i woke up that morning and i'm like look whatever it takes this thing has to go so i took my phone and i broke it like i smashed it wow. i can remember <laughs> my neighbors were like ah, what's wrong with Dimitri? Dimitri mm-hmm. is a quiet person why would he be doing this in the morning so i smashed my phone and i was really angry i was shouting after smashing the phone and i already cleared everything in my laptop then so now i was like okay now i think I'm starting to get to a point where I can stay away from it. Mm-hmm. But still, it wasn't easy. I know. It wasn't easy. So, um, I heard, so I attended a particular seminar where the person who came to speak that day talked about the NG, beneath the sheets, which is his own experience of pornography for over seven years. I mean, I was still two years in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if you continue for another seven, seven years, years it will be, be worse <laughs> than this person. So, 
he shared his experiences and then he wrote a book about it. So it's a book, um, it's um, Tolu Adradola. It's called Beneath the Sheets. Mm-hmm. So I bought the book and I consumed this book. So in the period where I'm supposed to be watching porn, like my regular what time, like porn time, I decided to invest in reading some books. So I read that particular book. There was another article online, I can't remember the name now, that I read that talked about how this thing is not just a normal thing, that it's a spirit and it controls you whichever way it wants. Mm-hmm. But then makes you feel as if you have the power over it. Okay. When in reality, it has the power over, over you. you. So then in the book, it talked about how you need to be accountable to someone else. Mm-hmm. Not just accepting that it's an addiction now or it's a terrible thing. Not just staying away from or cutting ties or distancing yourself. I remember that I had to distance myself from all the friends that are my regular sources. I had to cut them off even though it was difficult. These are people who helped me study as well, mm-hmm. but she had to cut them off. And then I had to get an accountability partner. You know, this was a very close friend who, uh, he did a lot for me. So I shared my experience with him. And then every single time he would always come back to me and ask me, oh, the major hope you didn't do this, hope you didn't do that. And, you know, that was like the process. But then this recovery process took more than two years. Wow. You know, people will tell you that to break an addiction is 21 days. It's a nah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's I wouldn't that's say, like fairy tale. I wouldn't say it's a lie. <laughs> Please, it's a lie. Let's be realistic. It's well, a lie. So, 21 days was. Uh, come 21 on. 21 days is like of an one day. experience of. Over two years. years. So, it took me two years. Well, in between, there were times you would fall, fall back, rise yes. up. Yes. But then, one thing that I that i held on to for those period was you're coming out a strong person no matter how terrible you fall you can rise again and still you know remain a good person now this affected my relationship with everybody around me my friends my parents it got to the point that for two years i didn't go home because i was like if i go to this house and i watch porn i'm injuring their prayers so i'm not going until I know that I am settled down a little bit free before I can even make that attempt. So mm-hmm. I try to tie my the issues to the people around me. If I keep doing this thing, how would it affect their lives? Now, people might say, oh, porn is a normal thing now. It's, it's not a big deal. But if you consider others that you'll be affecting with this, it's a, as in, it's a big thing. So I remember that that friend that introduced me then, a few months later, he stopped. And I was like, wait, <laughs> wait, you introduced me to this thing and now you stopped. Why did you stop? He didn't tell me why he stopped. I guess maybe he too was expressing the same thing. And then this guy has stopped, but me, I'm still in it for two years. I, how are you sure he stopped? All right. So I remember that there was a day I intentionally took his laptop and I hid it from him because I wanted to see stuff because I didn't believe him. So I checked every single place that, you know, the places where they actually keep it, they were not there. And I started to notice changes in this guy. Like, you know, people watch porn a lot. They tend to release. And at that particular point, you'd always be extra careful to... You try to be always neat so mm-hmm. people don't notice all these things. So, mm-hmm. But I, re- I noticed that for him, the way he usually looks before kind of changed. Like, he's not always scared to maybe talk to someone about his own issues like i remember he was talking to me then that guy see this thing is terrible stop it i'm like you told me to like mm-hmm. what's going mm-hmm. on here mm-hmm. so when i noticed that he name i couldn't really ask him any more questions because he decided not to even talk to me anymore 
because it was like if you're still doing this thing mm-hmm. i don't think i'll come talk to you, talk to you yeah. and i'm wondering how it changed why it changed and everything i still don't notice today because well i decided not to ask but then taking it up as an assignment for me to learn more about pornography was like another thing i tried to learn and understand the idea behind it the psychology as in i studied in depth everything pornography where it started from like you know all those little, little yeah. details and then when i learned all those things then i went to the effects the precautions how to stop it what it causes to human to people who do and all these things and learning all those things kind of put me in a place where i was able to make a decision whether it was good for me or not okay. well it's not good for anybody mm-hmm. but i was able to tell myself that it's not good for me which led to a, like a series of um how would i put it now journey like a couple of journeys that i took not passion like not physical journeys now but spiritual, spiritual. journeys where mm-hmm. i would always you know read about people who have had experiences or maybe um sins against their body fornication and all sort of things in the bible and learning about these things and then listening to life experiences you know was really important so let me just try and put it together now first i had to just tell myself that it's an addiction whether you like it or not it's an addiction mm-hmm. i accepted the fact and then i started to distance myself from people who were like a source to these things mm-hmm. they were like a flame that you know makes it burn better mm-hmm. and then i stopped talking to them i deleted all these things cleared my phone smashed my phone stayed mm-hmm. away from my phone for nine months like that, that was my very first time. experience of um digital detox mm-hmm. i stayed from my from devices for nine months even though my course what i studied in the school then requires you to use a laptop but still it was difficult but i stayed away from phones like things that can easily make yeah. me access it mm-hmm. so i usually leave my laptop in school but at home i had no devices in my house like try my, try my masters just so i don't have the opportunity to check and then the only times i use my laptop is when i go to school so i only so that even made me and become better with time management so i know i'm working this time to this time so that i don't overwork myself and then start using these things because mm-hmm. i know it tries in isolation mm-hmm. so isolating myself away but still not with those devices was like really helpful so accepting that it's an addiction then stay detaching yourself and then being accountable to people and then like listening to other people's stories i think it's a, it's a lot of process Mm-hmm. So whoever is listening to this, who is in this web right now, I want you to know that it's well. It happens. It, it happens to people. You are not weird. You are not terrible. You are not a bad person. Mm-hmm. But realize that it's not good for you, and you can be free. It's very important. Know that it's an addiction, and you can be free. Now, if you've been getting nudges that you need to stop and all these things, and you don't know who to talk to, you really don't need to talk to many people. Find one person you can be accountable to. Mm-hmm. someone who wouldn't judge you very important because what really helped me was this person didn't judge accountability. me there were times i told him i fell and he was really upset but yeah. still <laughs> he he would just tell me look it's a phase mm-hmm. just keep going yeah, you can do this i relate that was really helpful it was really helpful so um yeah i can say now that i've been away for more than two years now which is good yeah and i'm very glad about that yeah. and i'm still working as in i'm really really working on it not to go back because one relapse can be the end of it oh i know so i know <laughs> so i wanted to also ask so in that over two years that you were addicted mm-hmm. to porn 
Are you telling me you never had sex during that period? No, I didn't. You were just addicted to porn. Yeah. Are you Are you kidding me? Well, all right. So I grew up as someone who learned and believed that sex should be for marriage only. Okay. But then I was exposed to another mindset or mentality that said, well, to that time, pleasure yourself. So I was stuck in the middle. Okay. And then there was a particular day that a friend came to visit me in my house some time ago. And there was that, you know, I, I, was, I already knew all these things. So I'm like, okay, this is where I'll probably talk to her. And, you know, this will happen, that will happen. But then I did all those things and nothing happened. And then that was when my mind opened that wait. So all these things actually a lie. It's a staged play. What, you know? what, what is a staged play? Like pornography itself. You know, a woman can't just walk into a space and say, oh, yeah, just let me do this right now. Are you kidding me? Well, I don't have the experience. So I can't Thank really you. <laughs> but then the thing is, you know, I tried to practice exactly what they did in most of these movies. Yeah, and I know. It wasn't just working the same way. So I just told myself, the fact that pornography probably portrays women as tools mm-hmm. wasn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's for one. And I'm like, look, if... Okay, so the act of it all was... A particular day, my sister hugged me, and I started to feel things. Then I, my mind, as in, I was disgusted myself that day. Wow. I'm like, look, this thing has to go. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I haven't stayed away from home for that long, because I'm like, I can't do this to myself and to my family. It's not a good thing. So, yeah, there were thoughts of sex during this period. But it never happened. I still don't know why. I don't know how. I'm lucky. I'm just I'm, very grateful. I like. But there are people who have probably been into the same thing and they still can't recover to today because it has messed them up real bad. So I'm very grateful for my own experiences. It has shaped who I am today. It has helped me see life in a different perspective. That it's not just what you learn when you're growing up that matters. The things you pick along the way too. Whichever one it is matters. And the way you respond to it is very important. If you respond and receive it exactly the way it comes, yes, everybody do. We, we all do that. Community tells us or society tells us this is the way it should be. Mm-hmm. But then do we even stand to question whether it is right, right or, or wrong? wrong? Yeah. You know, the fact that everybody in my room then was watching porn doesn't mean I need to. But then peer pressure will push you into it. Yeah. So, but after all those periods, you start to see that the people who were in it before you probably Pull. just pulls out yes. and then you're now stuck, you're in stuck deep yeah. into it so recovery is a process mm-hmm. it takes time yes but then people shy away from that fact because they feel i can't achieve it or they are too scared to take that process like who would tell me that i'll be deep into this thing for two years and then it'll take me two years to recover recover so i'll just say that eight years two years in two years trying to work on it two years out and now I'm still like, still fighting it. I'm free, to well, be honest, I'm yes, free. Yes. But I still fight it because yes. there's sometimes that I close my eyes and I still see nasty yes. stuff. Yes, I know. But you know, it's a process. It gets to a point where it no longer shakes you anymore. Like now it doesn't shake me anymore. It doesn't really do anything to me. But then trying to be still careful yeah. is important. Yeah, so. very, very important. Wow. Okay, so now that to an extent you've tackled the addiction yep 
would you say um, the the aspect of it messing you up has been like like the the places that you were messed up when you were addicted to porn probably it was emotionally mentally and all of that would you say you have fixed those parts that were affected by staying away yeah to a large extent right so i'll give you an instance so i mentioned where my sister hugged me and mm-hmm. i was disgusted mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. so i started to really take note of my relationship with people of both sex okay you know which whichever way you relate to them it tells a lot about your, you as a person and then who they you know are also so i have friends who they see nothing wrong in giving guys hugs but then I know the kind of person I am. In that state, if I did, I would start thinking of stuff. So I decided to stay away from such till I know I can, you know, be fine. Like, it really messed me up to the point that I don't see ladies as, you know, I'm always trying to picture them with their clothes off. It was that bad. So there was this day I came across this scripture in the Bible where Peter was telling them that see everyone as your sisters and brothers. And that was the first place of tackling that particular idea of looking at women or trying to talk to women and i started to see that if i relate with you as a sister or the way i would do to my sister how can that help me you know not just trying to picture you with your clothes off now but actually try to see the values in you trying to understand who people really are not just what What, i want mm -hmm. them to what this thing has done to me Mm -hmm. because trust me i stopped going to I, i didn't go to church for i think about six months during this particular phase where sir I'm so sorry sir alright so I tried to start to see these things beyond the fantasy that porn pro- like provides where you can have anyone you see to actually getting to know people for who they are not just because that's the way it's been portrayed in all these things you watch. So there's a there's a very big space of getting to know people for themselves than just trying to, you know, get under their pants or something. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm not the kind of I, I, I I've never really been involved in anything beyond porn, but it took me to a point where I almost started doing that. Like I- and then what drew you back? Okay, so what drew me back was the fact that my parents always told me, if you come to this house with a pregnant person <laughs> before marriage, you're gone. You know, yes, Nigerian parents have that thing where they tell you this and that, but mm-hmm. I actually took that as something and really wanted to not disappoint them. That was one. And then two, I knew if I get to that point, everything I'm trying to do to build a life for myself is gone. Because I'm suddenly a father or whatever it is, and I'm still not even in the life yet. Mm-hmm. So all those things had literally two effects on it. And then the most important one was <coughs> who God saw me to be. Like that was very important. Like I wanted to know how do, how does God see me right now in this act? Does He see me as does He still see me as a son or just a sinner who can be redeemed? And there are a lot of sermons I listened to that really pushed me back, that told me that people I spoke to, not people, like three people, mm-hmm. basically, that I talked to and really made me understand that, see, whether or not this thing is happening, you're always welcome back. It's beyond the things you do now. It's about the price that's been paid 
for you. So my Christianity really helped me through this phase. Not just the Christianity we know it to be, but an actual connection with God. Because it made me see that, look, these things happen. You are in the world. You live in the world. It's like just, it's just the way a boat is. The mm-hmm. boat is on water. Mm-hmm. But then the problem is when the water enters the boat, it starts to sink. Mm-hmm. So you're already sinking. What can you do? Mm-hmm. Take out the water. Mm-hmm. So I tried to just get these things out. It took many years to get them out. But now that they're out, the consequence or the, re- the, the effects are still, well, they Lingering. still come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they still come once in a while. Like there are times probably I'm talking to someone and I just get a flashback and it, like my entire reaction changes about that conversation. You know, either I call the conversation short or I just leave the place because, you know, remembering such things can really, really make you very uncomfortable in the midst of people. So um, then I started to try to develop genuine, like, relationship with people. Mm -hmm. Not just people I want to know, but people who have probably been there before, Mm -hmm. who have been free and now they're living good lives. You know, I know people who have done this before and now they're married, they're living really good lives in their marriages. I look up to them, you know, I just just with them, just talk to them. How did you do it? You know, tell me steps and mm-hmm. all these things. So what has it been like freeing, staying free from these things? Mm-hmm. And hearing their testimonies encourages me to keep going. You know, I've heard pastors share this. I've heard like ministers share this. I've heard business guys share this, how this thing messed up their businesses. But then learning from them or reading about their lives has helped me a lot. I remember there was a particular book I read, um, it's called Secret of the Secret Place. And then it talked about so many things. I won't really go into detail of that. Mm-hmm. It talked about so many things that when you start to learn about your person, like who you should really be, not as a Christian now or as whatever it is you are, who you should really be as a person, why you need to be, like, why are you on earth? Understanding your purpose. This thing can actually help you channel whatever circumstance, whatever situation, whatever experience you've had into something that can help you achieve those things better. So I saw it as you've experienced this. It has probably okay, I, it reduced my grades at some point, mm-hmm. like terribly. No. But then coming back up and seeing that even being able to stand up after all these things have happened, it gives me this the the, the how would I put it now? It gives me the space to want to just not even go there anymore. Because mm-hmm. now that I'm now in the in life itself, not just in school now, I'm not in life. If this thing comes back again, it will mm. be worse than it came before. Yes, yes. Because now there are a lot of things going around, mm-hmm. and then controlling it will be much more difficult. Then I didn't really have much going on. I'll probably just go to school, come back home, try and sleep, eat, and rest, and you know all these things. But now that you're actually doing work, you're doing this, you're doing that, mm-hmm. you're caught up in so many things that yes. if this thing comes back or it starts up again, it mess, it will mess, in, mess it entirely. Ex- exactly. So experiences like this, they can shape your life. They can either make you oh my yeah so a lot of them so if you can just own these experiences make it your own it, it happened to you don't be don't be shy to talk, talk about it you know you've experienced it you've overcome it that's the pride of it all you experienced it and now you're out of it nice <laughs> nice <laughs> you said nice <laughs> yes like he's hitting me like he's hitting me okay so uh moving on basically it's from dimitri for this first episode i'm really really i'm really really happy that you agreed to do this so when when i talked about it and a friend of mine told me that oh talk to dimitri i'm like eh, would he agree and, stuff. <laughs> and i'm like 
And then when you said yes, I was really happy. And I told you about my friend that actually yeah. made me, yeah, so he was the one. And I was like, uh, I'm not I think sure. I'm to meet this your friend. I, I think I'll call him. <laughs> I'll call him before I leave so I could talk to him. And then he, when I told him that I agreed, he was like, nice. And I'm like, I know. Thank you so much. And I was like, thank you for just pushing me to just do it. That's amazing. But um, I'm really, I'm really appreciative. There are a lot of people that have so much pride when it comes to followers and content and Instagram. And you just shut you out. And then you didn't do that. You welcomed me with open arms. I'm glad that was it. <laughs> and then thank you for the content that you've shared today. It's really impactful. Yeah. It's really a big deal. And a lot of people are struggling with it in the society right now. But they don't want to come to terms with the fact that it is a struggle. And it is an addiction. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing this. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Are you not going to praise me right now? Oh, yeah. All right, so I would like to say that this is a very great initiative. Thank you. Um, the fact that we get to talk without reservations, because one story we share can actually help millions. Like, I remember when I started listening to podcasts, it was like, every time I was listening to wear podcasts from like three, four years ago, and they helped me four years later. So, uh-huh. never can I tell where these things you're doing really goes to. So... <clears throat> Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing this podcast go really like go to places. Amen. People will be changed <laughs> through this. So thank you so much. I'm glad you had me on this very first episode. I'm glad I'm the one breaking the yeah, the nylon mm-hmm. or the plastic on <laughs> yes. this particular episode. Yeah, thank scissors. you so much, and um, I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome.